This might not be much of a surprise, but accidents have been down, way down, on the major highways. And if you're listening in Toronto and places like the Gardner and the DVP, not much of a surprise considering the pandemic in the last couple of years. But it might surprise you just how fewer accidents we've been having. And do we expect that trend to continue? We'll ask our good friend, Sergeant Kerry Smith from the OPP, get kind of a uh, ground level view, if you will, from uh, Kerry Schmidt coming up here momentarily. First, though, a fairly substantial announcement when it comes to cannabis, as Ontario has given the green light and will allow home delivery and curbside pickup on a permanent basis. Mitchell Osak is a cannabis expert. He's the head of Quanta Consulting and joins us once again. Mitchell, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you too, Jeff. All right. uh, Take us back, if you can, first. Uh, Home delivery. It has been offered lately on kind of a temporary basis as a bit of a pilot project? Um, It it was a pilot project, without a doubt. For sure, the government was monitoring how it was being rolled out and executed. But it it came about during COVID to to be a bit of a lifeline to, you know, fledgling cannabis retailers in Ontario. And from what I've seen and with my clients, uh, the pilot project went off without a hitch and they decided to make it permanent. All right. And what was it that it was uh, such a success? What made it such a success? Well, the original goals of um, the federal government when they legalized cannabis was all about um, safety, eliminating the illicit market, and reasonable consumption. And like you and I have spoken many times on your show, uh, the world didn't come to an end when we went to click-and-pick options as well as delivery. So this is a natural outgrowth of um, letting these retailers compete better and offer more choice and accessibility. There's one other factor that has come to play here, and that is Alberta this week also allowed online delivery. So in a way, Ontario is playing a bit of catch up with some other provinces. Okay. What does this mean, though, for retailers, for cannabis retailers, Mitchell? Because you and I have also spoken about this several times, that it's not exactly been a golden ticket for those that were given licenses and able to open up a pod shop. It's been a, a tough go for some. But are they also playing catch up when it comes to online sales, which we've seen explode during the pandemic? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, They haven't technically played catch up because online sales in Ontario are still only about 10% of total retail sales of cannabis in our province. Um, This is a bit of a mixed bag for retailers. For the larger ones who've got more resources and more capital to invest, this gives them the ability to go after more consumers with a more varied offering in an online format. For your mom-and-pop stores that have to invest in new capability to serve clients, this might be a bit of a challenge, and it might put those who try and compete further behind the eight ball. Okay, that is a really interesting point. So this is upon the individual pot shop or retailer. It's not like the LCBO where you can just go to their website and uh, have a look. Uh, This is something that's uh, kind of ground level. It's uh, coming from each and every individual shop. Yes, it is. Um, It's fundamentally ground level, but let's not forget that since legalization happened in 2018, the OCS, the Ontario Cannabis Store, did offer online sales of cannabis. So they've had an exclusive monopoly position up until the pilot project started, you know, during COVID. So in a lot of ways, this equalizes the playing field between private operators and the government. 
Okay, and it might be a bit of an additional expense for private operators, but is it something worth their while, worth investing in? I mean, how much do we estimate uh, that this is going to be uh, worth when it comes to, you know, the cannabis uh, market and the growing cannabis uh, market? Because, again, we're seeing so many, uh, you know, businesses uh, shift to uh, online is almost their primary way of doing business. Absolutely. I wish I had a crystal ball to tell you how much potential business is available for companies that move to, you know, a very strong online capability. What I could tell you is is roughly two-thirds of Ontario retailers are those small mom-and-pop one- or two-store operations. And those are the ones that are going to be under the greatest pressure to either offer an online option and a, and a good online option where the benchmark is like Uber or DoorDash or Amazon um, or decide not to do it. The reality is um, anybody who continues to buy cannabis from the illicit market, a big chunk of that illicit market, and I don't have accurate data, but a big chunk of that illicit market is delivered online. So there is a lot of business available. Um, It's not necessarily so easy to get, and a lot of the retailers will have a hard time doing it. But you know, the question for all of us is how, what's the size of the prize? And I don't think anybody knows that. You know, convenience obviously is one thing and it's an important thing, but I'm also wondering about the typical uh, cannabis client, if you will. Is it somebody that wants to go into the store and actually talk to somebody and uh, actually have a selection of uh, certain buds? Or is it uh, somebody that just wants that to convenience, wants to uh, pick and click? Well, there's three general types of cannabis consumers. The smallest percentage are your heaviest users, and they they would be your classic weed nerds or stoners. So they're roughly 10 to 20%, but they'll consume 60 to 70% of cannabis at retail. I foresee many of those going online just out of pure convenience. They don't want to have to go to a store because they know what they want, they know the price they want to pay, and they're fairly experienced. The the people who are going to be least impacted by this, the consumers, are what I call your can of curious, who are coming in who want to sample an edible or a pre-roll, and they need a bud tender or a retail person in store to help guide them to the right choice. So I see online being a very powerful um, option for your, you know, large consumers, but for a lot of Ontarians, they'll still prefer to go into the store. Okay, and I'm sorry, Mitchell, that was a bud tender? A bud tender is like a cannabis sommelier that works in a retail store that helps on product education and guiding the consumer to the best choice for that particular consumer. Love it. All right, and we were just talking a moment ago that these individual stores uh, will have to foot the bill to establish kind of an online uh, presence. How are they actually going to get the bud to the uh, customer? Is this going to be a partnership through uh, Uber, DoorDash, that sort of thing? Well, Uber is available right now um, to assist certain retailers in facilitating that online transaction. There are a variety of software platforms that could help, but the reality is the regulations require the actual product to be delivered by the actual store by people who have retail cannabis authorization. So it won't be purely like a Uber or a DoorDash where you have a separate company or platform being the intermediary. There's still going to be a major role played by the retailer, but it'll be interesting to see whether there will be an online platform that will evolve that still has licensed people and licensed stores to be be able to deliver the product.
Yeah, and just finally, Mitchell, when you talk about this evolving, where do you see this going in the next few years? Because synergy, obviously, is a huge buzzword, if you will, in the business uh, community. And can you see, you know, cannabis stores uh, partnering with, uh, you know, like-minded businesses uh, where they might have some sort of uh, synergy? Excellent, excellent question. And, And an apt use of the term synergy, I use it all the time. So, yes. I see an opportunity where many of these smaller chains or mom and pop stores come together in sort of an online co-op where they pool their capital and the resources and they set up a service that'll deal with them individually as independent companies. By the same token, your larger chains will do this themselves because they'll have the resources and expertise to do it. So what's fascinating about cannabis retail and these new online regulations is that the technology will evolve and the business model will evolve in a, in a, in a context where there is a state of flux in cannabis retail in Ontario with a lot of stores still to be open, but some stores closing because they can't compete. Yeah, because I could see a day where you're uh, purchasing uh, your bud and then all of a sudden, would you like to add to your order? And of course, uh, you know, snacks, snack foods, that sort of thing. I mean, that's an obvious. It's an obvious, it's not necessarily allowed now, but it's a natural evolution when you think about it. What's happening in Alberta, which which represents sort of the next phase of cannabis liberalization, is that now you'll be able to consume cannabis in outdoor and public consumption events. Now, you won't be able to smoke it because there's still anti-smoking rules, but you'll be able to consume edibles at, say, a concert or a festival. And that's where Ontario will be going, hopefully this year, maybe not. But imagine where you're, on a con- you're at a concert and you're getting your cannabis edible delivered to that. That's cool. All right, Mitchell, really appreciate the update and the time. Thanks as always. Thank you, Jeff. Be well. You too. Mitchell Osak is the head of Quanta Consulting and our cannabis expert. And we're back after a break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.